and welcome to the BU Body Empowerment Unified Podcast. I'm Emily, the President. And I'm Amber, the Vice President. And we represent the Body Image Eating Disorder Awareness Club, also known as BDAC. Started by high school students and based in Los Angeles, California, this podcast aims to tell body image stories, spread positivity and kindness, share tips and tricks for self-care, and raise awareness about eating disorders and mental health. We hope that this podcast can be your safe space and that you can resonate with the stories told and join us in our goal to achieve a more diverse and body positive future. In today's episode, we will be talking about eating disorders, specifically anorexia. Listening discretion is advised. Anorexia or anorexia nervosa is an eating disorder in which a person becomes obsessed with the idea of losing weight, causing them to starve their bodies of nutrients, exercise excessively, and overall have a distorted image of themselves. Having or overcoming anorexia is a serious and difficult process, as it not only affects the physical body, but burdens the emotional health. Today, anorexia is the second most common eating disorder and has become the third most common chronic illness amongst adolescents. It's crucial to educate and be educated on this topic in order to help ourselves and peers understand the importance of body positivity and further encourage the fight against eating disorders. Today's guest speaker is Daniel Krog. Krog is a classically trained opera singer, a writer, and a published and award-winning interior designer. Daniel is also a recovering anorexic with 26 years of abstinence who continues to celebrate his 65-pound weight gain daily, quoting that he is living a truly fabulous, fulfilling life that is beyond what he could have ever dreamed for himself. So um, for our first question, um, we want to ask, when did you first recognize your eating disorder and how did you react to that? Well, let's see. Um, I am 51 years old now and I, it really hit when I was 20 years old. Uh, I, I don't, a lot of people with eating disorders, they sort of have a, an experience of an eating disorder in their childhood. And I don't really think I do. I, I remember sugar being kind of important to me, but no more than any other kid in America in the 1970s. Like, and I also remember having Halloween candy and not finishing it and just being like, Oh, I was having some of it and then putting it under my bed and forgetting about it. So I, I don't, I mean, I have a couple moments, but nothing, nothing really out of the ordinary. Um, so it really wasn't until I was in, when I was 20, 20 years old and I came out of the closet and I think coming from the family I came from, which was a very psychologically and emotionally abusive family, very abusive, not physically, not sexually, but psychologically and emotionally. I think that I had no tools for life. And then when I came out of the closet, it was like, time to sort of just enter life and I had no way to sort of I had no foundation underneath me and that and it you know and then the coming out of the closet and it was the HIV 
crisis and you know the idea that i could have sex with someone and die and i'm a gay man in los angeles like i i think it was just like i need to shut down i need to sort of just shut it all down and that's really what anorexia did for me is it was like this way of shutting shutting off my life so that i could survive like i'm gonna die so that i can live if that makes sense so yeah that's sort of a longer answer it really hit when i was 20 20 years old did you have anybody that greatly influenced you or motivated you when you realized you were struggling? Any family, friends, groups, or doctors? Well, I had a friend, a very close friend, who was was in recovery for a different eating disorder. And so that sort of gave me bearings of like, oh, if there's a food problem, there's a place, you know, there, there are avenues you can go to sort of get help. But, you know, I really want to say, I kind of want to address this question and the last question again with this idea that I've heard people say with anorexia that they came upon anorexia honestly. And what that means, and I, I feel that way too. What I mean by I came by anorexia, quote unquote, honestly, is that it just kind of happened to me. In the early stages especially, I didn't even know it was happening. I just thought I was being healthy I thought I just really liked to work out. I thought that I, you know, cared about what my body looked like, like every other young 20 year old gay man in Los Angeles. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I am now in anorexia and there, this is anorexia. No, it was just suddenly all I could eat was non-fat cottage cheese and pineapple. And I had to go to the gym for two hours a day. and. And because there were so many cultural references to that around me, I just was kind of in it. So to answer the question, I knew I was having an issue when I was 20, but I didn't really find recovery until I was 25. And it had to get much, much worse. It wasn't like I was suddenly 20 and like, oh, I am now in anorexia. What do I do? Who do I talk to? It wasn't like that at all. Um, it was very, like I said, I think one of the, the biggest most dangerous parts of anorexia specifically and for me anorexia is a life disorder it's not a food disorder it's an everything it's a shutdown of everything i think one of the most dangerous parts is that so much of anorexia looks positive i know that as a culture and as people we agree that when someone is 80 pounds and their hair is falling out and they have peach fuzz on their gray skin and they look like they're the walking dead we agree that that's a problem but there's so much that leads up to that that is not looked at as a problem at all. I just thought I was doing a good job. I just thought I was dedicated. I thought I was healthy. I thought I was spiritual. I mean, we can talk about that later, but I thought anorexia was spirituality. I thought it was discipline. I thought it was meekness. I thought it was all these traits that we talk about positively. And it was really very much an active, active disorder. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that answered it really, really well. And the ending of your question, like, smoothly transi transitions into the next question, which is, right. um, besides anorexia affecting, you know, your physical health, um, how is it on your hobbies and career as an opera singer? I mean, and I think it's like anything. I mean, because anorexia is about getting out of my body and singing is about being in my body, I think it, it, effect it affected it that way. Um, perfectionism. I think perfectionism destroys any 
creative or artistic process. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I also know there, there are some parts of, of my kind of perfectionistic drive that on some level helped my art, but it, it did affect it. I, I think it affected it negatively and positively. I hate to say that, but um, it ultimately, well, what anorexia really affects, it affects all of life. It, it makes it so that it makes life impossible to enjoy. There's no joy in anorexia, whether it's joy of singing or joy of any other art form or joy of social interactions. It takes, I think, I believe that joy, actually joy and pleasure are the antithesis, the absolute opposite of anorexia. And that was the thing that I wanted to get rid of most was pleasure and joy. And of course, singing is, I mean, the, you know, Leontine Price, one of the greatest American opera singers of all time, talks about how singing is an expression of self-love and that the audience witnesses you loving yourself when you sing. And that's what makes it so exciting. Not being able to, to sort of process how much pleasure I would have to ingest, pun intended, um, to sing well. You mentioned that having anorexia was um, a life conflict. What were some challenges that you had to face day to day? And what did you do to take them on? Well, I mean, yeah, I call anorexia a life disorder. All aspects of my human desires, I shut down. My desire for sex, my desire for food, my desire for fun, my desire for friendship, my desire for joy. When I was in my anorexia, I'll tell you a quick story. A friend of mine, you know, friends saw me going further and further in anorexia, especially friends at work. And they were scared, it scared them, and rightfully so. And I didn't even really know what was happening. And a friend of mine came up to me at work and invited me to Magic Mountain, the amusement park uh, north of Los Angeles. And I walked up to her face. I looked her in the eye, very close to her face. It was very dramatic. And I said, I don't believe in fun. And I walked away. And when I said that, it was, I mean, it's, it's a horrible story, but also it, it sort of illuminates sort of the core of anorexia, which is I felt like I had conquered the human desire for fun. And I think that says everything about my recovery from anorexia is it's about getting wider and expanding into more of a pleasurable, relaxed, real life. and. The second part of your question was, what did I do to address it? I mean, it started with dealing with food, the food anorexia. And then as I recovered from that, I had to face all the other areas that I was, that every other area of, life, of my life that I was anorexic in, I had to face. I had to start going on dates. I had to start making more friends. I had to start wanting more money. I had to start wanting more shopping. I had to start wanting nice things. Like every kind of human based desire was shut down and I had to sort of one by one with the help of other people address that and do something different. I had to do something different and start satisfying my desires as terrifying as it was. And I've had help doing different group situations and therapies. I had to take, do, do sort of one after the other and one, one helped the other, like, if I could learn to have more fun, I could learn to eat more. If I could learn to eat more, I could learn to go shopping more. If I learned to go shopping more, I could learn to have sex more. Like it was all one, ultimately one human 
sort of desire opening that I had to opening more and more. What are some things about being anorexic that the, I guess the general public might not truly understand or know unless they actually had it themselves? That's such a great question. And I think, I mean, I think I've already touched on a lot of that, which is this idea that anorexia is just this like food problem. And it's this, it's about, you know, white, young white girls who want to be skinny. And like, you know, of course that's true, but there's so much more. It's again, I, that's why I call it a life disorder because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have the, the food and body anorexia recovery I have had I not dealt with the, the bigger life issues of being an anorexic. So I, th I think that's it. I think that's the main thing is that sort of culture, we need to look at anorexia as a much deeper issue than the food is just a symptom. The desire for a small body is just a symptom for wanting a small existence and wanting to disappear and not take up space. And I could, I, I disappeared and, and didn't take up space, like I said, in all areas of my life. And it was just as terrifying, if not more terrifying, to learn to eat my other appetites beyond the food. The food was the first that had to happen, like I said before. You said something about how did it affect your day-to-day -day life. And that's something I want people who don't have anorexia to understand is it's a, it's a minute by minute disorder. Because for me, it's about feeling guilty for existing. And if I feel guilty for my very existence, then I will feel guilty at every single moment. Every conversation I have, I will feel guilty for. Everything I buy, I will feel guilty for. Every, every desire I have, I will feel guilty for. Because every, all of those things reflect my existence. Years ago, before recovery, I would call people on the phone and leave a message on their message machine. You two are way too young to remember or to know about message machines, but there were actual machines in people's houses. And I remember calling and the sound of my own voice coming through the receiver of the phone would elicit so much guilt and shame about just my, my being, about me being alive, that I would start to stutter and I would have to hang up the phone and I wouldn't be able to finish the message. That is what anorexia is. It's, it's about feeling guilty for existing. It's the torture of that. It's a minute by minute torture of feeling like every single thing I do and think and want and hope for is wrong. And that is, that goes way beyond food. And yes, of course, food's the most important thing because I think food will, is the first thing that will kill an anorexic, not eating, but I don't, again, I don't think I'd have the life and the recovery I have if I hadn't have come to this deeper um, sort of path of recovery. You had said anorexia had, had made you a less confident person, but now that you're recovering, you know, you're in a designer, you're a singer and a writer. Do you think that the media because you're a writer, do you think the media represents the importance of body image well or um, online? Um, I think that as a society, we're coming more and more to, especially with understanding what the media, how the media impacts young women, women's perception of their body. We're starting to get plus size models you know, on actual runways, I think that's significant. So at least the conversations out there, 
do I think that eating disorders, particularly anorexia, is understood and portrayed well in the media? Not at all. I just think people don't understand it. I think it's scary. I think it's freaky. I think pe- I think that there's a like a quote unquote freak factor about it, which is so sad. I mean, it makes me a little angry when I think about that. I mean, the other eating disorders, compulsive reading and bulimia, I think are a little more understood. I think anorexia is just kind of like, oh, those people that don't want to eat, those skeleton people, you know? I don't think it's understood. I think it needs to be understood more. That's why I wanted to do this podcast. Uh, what positive changes, um, like daily goals, affirmations, asking for help, um, have you made in your life to get where you are now? I have a real support system. I have, you know numerous people that are part of my support system from anorexia people that are recovering from anorexia that understand it that's invaluable no one understands anorexia like an anorexic no one and that's so important to talk to people who really really get it who understand the guilt it's so hard to even say in words to try to describe what what feeling guilty for existing is and what you know feeling guilty for eating. I mean, when you think about it, I felt guilty for nourishing my body. That's very deep to me. And finding people that really get what that feels like is so important. And I have that. Good therapy is really important. And it's important to get a therapist that understands the deeper implications of anorexia, that understands the emotional and psychological and spiritual malady of anorexia, which for me, I say is feeling guilty for existing. I've had to do a lot of work to uncover where that feeling guilty for existing came from in my life. That's really, really important. I've done a lot of work in that area, you know, looking at, you know, it's not, a pro- it's not just what happens in life to be 20 or 25 years old and feel guilty for existing so much. So, I mean, I was, I'm six, five, I was a hundred and I was 125 pounds with my hair falling out. And I was thinking that I was eating too much food. That's how distorted I was in my darkest part of anorexia. And that didn't just happen. That didn't happen because of a media image that happened because I grew up in incredible abuse and I was incredibly distorted from that abuse and anorexia was my solution to, to 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 dealing with life as a result of that abuse it was really i was really distorted and i had to kind of unwind all that so therapy is really important so therapy and a good support system of people who get it that's the short answer just hearing your story i'm so sorry you went through that but it, it's it's just so amazing and inspiring for you know this podcast and for uh, listeners young and old to hear your story and and can relate i did start and i realized i'm either going to die or i'm going to live a horrible existence of death if i don't recover so keep doing it make i made my recovery my top priority and that that i think really served me but what i tell my younger self um your life is going to be bigger and better than you could possibly dream right now that's what i would tell my younger self and that i I, I planned my dreams and my, my I planned my hopes and my dreams um, based on my low self-worth and based on what I believed I deserved. And what I had in my mind for what I wanted was 
nothing compared to what my life is today. So that's what I would tell my younger self is just, just, just keep doing the work and, and, and your life is going to be so much better than you can even dream of right now. And that's what I would tell anyone who's struggling with anorexia, you know, like by putting my recovery first, I have a life that is truly beyond what I could ever have hoped or dreamed for myself. And I'm not just saying that I have a great life today. I have a wonderful family, my husband, I have a great partner. I have, you know, just a beautiful, beautiful life. And it's all because I found recovery and everything I have grows out of me putting my recovery first. This episode was brought to you by TCHS's BDAC Club and was produced and edited by Emily Kwok. We'd like to thank our guest speaker, Daniel Krog, for sharing his story with us, as well as hosts, Hannah Kwok and Elijah Burgos. We hope you enjoyed this special episode and can't wait for you to listen to more. Don't forget to follow us at TCHS BDAC. That's BDAC spelled B-I-E-D-A-C on Instagram, where you can view our club activities, post, and contact information. If you would like to be featured in a future episode, please reach out to us through our email, bdacclub at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to be you.